Yeah, he should have been like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, I, I know we live out in the middle of fucking nowhere, but like, we need to get a therapist to make a house call because you, you haven't done have done nothing wrong. wrong. You are a trauma survivor. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to a brand new season of Under Our Roof. Season three, baby. Season three. That's a lucky number, right? 13 is unlucky, but three is lucky. Some people would say 13 is lucky. Taylor Swift being the main person. (laughs) You remember how she used to write that in Sharpie on her hand? No. Does she still do that for shows? I don't know. I was a major Swifty in high school, you so were? I do remember that. Yeah, I don't think well, I really I, I knew that. Well, I think it was kind of before the Swifty became like maybe a controversial. I'm not saying moniker. it's controversial. I no, just... but like, like I, I wouldn't call myself a Swifty today, even though I like Taylor Swift, only mm-hmm. because I think that it would, it's not respectful to like the lengths. Oh, that people that Swifties go, go. Yeah, yeah <laughs> to like be in the fandom. Like I'm yeah. like, yeah, I, I like Taylor Swift. I, I couldn't compete. To say that you're a Swifty, like, I feel like that comes with like, oh, so you know the Sessions or like the Disney yeah. movie she did. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I, Dis- I didn't. She did a Disney movie? She did the the se- uh, Sessions of for Folklore. I don't know, so there's a Swifty listening right now that is throwing Screaming. themselves into traffic. <laughs> it's the, She did like Sessions for, okay. on Disney Plus, the Pond Sessions. Oh, Long Pond. Yeah. I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah I've seen excerpts on a... On TikTok. But yeah, I think the fact that I haven't watched any of those disqualifies me from Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yes. But. Love the songs. I love the beat. I love the beat. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. I thought it was fun. I like the beat. So. Incredible songwriter. And a big fan of the number 13. But this is our third season. Not our 13th. Absolutely not. Yet. Though. Yeah, it'll Only. be our thirteenth in twenty forty five or whatever. That is. Wow, it's that's certainly not the case. I can't do math. We, we, can't do we math. know we can't. We're do gay math. and we can't yeah. do math. Except coming up on a future episode of Queer Content for Your Consideration, you know who can do math? Leighton Murray, the character, the queer character on Sex Lives, Sex Lives of College Girls, Lights, math major. Light spoiler there. Right. I don't think that that's a major plot point that she's good at math. No, that she's queer. Oh, it is never kind of, mind. No, I think it's okay. It's I a it's he, a light spoiler, and the show's been out for yeah quite a while. I mean, it and beca- that episode, you have time to catch up now. Yeah, because we're telling you that queer content for your consideration is coming up. It's coming up in the next episode or two. But today we are decidedly not talking about queer content. No, unfortunately, not at all. But yeah. I mean, it, some stuff might touch slightly. It might. Have we introduced ourselves? No. Okay. Hi. Hello. My name is Grace. Uh, my artist name is Semler. So I don't know which one you know me by. I'm Lizzie, and I'm the non-musical half of the podcast. And this is our weekly podcast about just kind of wholesome queer stuff, we whatever strive, we want to talk about. We strive to be your gay comfort listen. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what we are. I hope that you are enjoying a nice little snack or a stroll or a sip. Whatever it may be, this a drive, a drive, yeah. This week's episode, we didn't want to inundate you with all the New Year's stuff that's yeah. coming up as well. It is a New Year, new us, not really, same not us. us. Oh God, the same, please. <laughs> but <laughs> we didn't want to do a New Year's like here's what our resolutions are. Even though we'll we'll talk about that we at will. some point, maybe in a week or two. But we thought for the New Year, you're probably listening to other podcasts that are doing New Year's episodes. We're gonna do something totally different. We are gonna do. An unspoken rules of growing up Christian episode. And yes. it, this was inspired by a night that we had last night 
Grace will tell you about it. It was so fun. My face hurt from smiling and it's going to sound, it's going to candidly sound kind of fucked up because this movie is so dark. It shouldn't make you laugh, but it's so unserious and it handles its subject matter so heavy handedly. It feels like you're watching an SNL after school special Something like that. It so just what is, are we talking about? We are talking about, well, this episode was inspired by us inviting our friend over, Michelle. I don't know if you're listening. Hope you are. Hope you're doing well. We love you. Michelle is a writer. She's like a professional television writer. And also she's so funny. And one of, one of the things that always cracks me about Michelle is her commentary when you are watching a TV show or a movie. So I always keep this in mind when I watch a ridiculous movie that we should get high and watch it with Michelle. There are a few friends that I have like this where I'm like, I really want... This I want to experience this person wa- watching this thing for the first time. And the movie that I, I knew she would... The movie that started it all Is was Redeeming Love. Redeeming Love. Redeeming okay. Love. Let me back up and say, I read Redeeming Love, the book, when I was in high school. And it was a big deal. Like, everyone was reading this book, even though it actually came out the year I was born, which I won't say, but, you know, several years ago in the 90s in the 90s and it was um a huge hit i think so by the time i read it it had already been out for 15 or 16 years because i read it in high school now i had not heard of redeeming love until we were in the movie theater one time and the trailer came on and i knew right away because you kind of know it's like whatever that senator said like i don't know what porn is but i know it when i see it or whatever like i don't yeah obscenity it's like i don't know what it is but i know it when i see it i don't know how to describe to you when i know a movie or television show is christian but i know it when i see it it's a tone it is something it is in the casting it is literally in the way they color the film i can just tell (laughs) that this is a christian production and i could tell right away and then lizzie was next to me in the theater and she's like oh my gosh redeeming love like i read that book i was like is it a Christian story? And you were like, yeah, we kind of talked about it a little bit. And then it was just planted in my little brain, like a little seed, like a little weed. I was like, when this comes out, <laughs> I need to watch it. I need to catch up. I, I guess it didn't come over to Belgium, at least not that I know of. And we watched it this year together. Well, so it must have come out at the beginning of 2022 because I felt like I watched this movie a year or two ago, Mm -hmm. but then we were looking up when it was released and it said 2022. So I guess we watched it twice in one year, but... And we watched it at home and I had to keep pausing it and leave the room and I almost fell out of my seat a number of times, which kind of happens when I find something outrageous where... I couldn't believe the speed at which it was awful. It's a shocking, (laughs) shocking story. And I remember reading it in high school and being, let me say, being really moved by the story. Mm -hmm. And at its core, there are pieces of the story that are nice. And so if you're like me and you read this book maybe several years ago and you really liked it, I don't mean to sound like a jerk now saying like oh my gosh this movie is so ridiculous because i i found the book really good and like i think i cried reading it you know i thought it was amazing but the movie its handling of the subject matter which we will briefly describe is completely absurdist i also would like to issue a content warning i'm about to read the synopsis for the plot of this movie redeeming love it deals with incredibly heavy and dark themes i'm not that's not funny at all what's funny is how poorly they handle them just a content warning for sexual abuse 
really any abuse you can think of happens happens any bad thing anything that- bad so if you're not if you're not wanting to hear about that even in kind of a comical commentary way we'll see you next week but i'm gonna read the plot for this movie right but now. we're not gonna talk that much about we are not this is not what it's about i just no. want to give you some context a young couple's relationship clashes with the harsh realities of the California gold rush of 1850. Angel, experiencing love for the first time and facing demons that seem unsurmountable, runs from the new life she doesn't think she deserves. When Michael sets out to find her, Angel discovers that she has the power to choose the life she wants. First of all, That's that is <laughs> so misleading. You're probably like, well, what do you mean, content warning? That sounds fine. No, this movie is some of the darkest shit. It is so violent. I will try to describe it in like less than 30 That's seconds. That's so dishonest. So dishonest. So the main character, Angel, was basically sold into sexual slavery as a child, like a young child. And present day, when the movie is taking place and when the book is set, this main character man named Michael Hosea, what a Christian movie name, Michael Hosea comes and finds her at a brothel and decides to basically buy her from the brothel so that he can make her his wife. But they don't sleep together until after they're married. Because she has to mean it. Because she has to mean it. And like, <laughs> it's Christian. And he he does rescue her in, in some ways from a really bad situation. But she kind of goes from being one person's property to, to another. another. But then, anyway, I don't want to give anything away. But the synopsis kind of implies like she does ultimately have agency. There are ways that you could tell this story that I think would feel more empowering. But it's just basically like a huge propaganda vehicle for like sex is bad any kind of women's sensuality like women's choice all like basically people who have sinned like every bad thing will happen to you if you go into the sex trade the slippery slope you will immediately become overcome by diseases you will die everyone around you will die like basically it's just like a p a major psa of just like stay on the straight and narrow path because if you don't you maybe you'll end up like Angel and have a good life, but pretty much everyone else in the movie has a really bad fate. <laughs> and Angel doesn't have a good life. Angel has like one of the most tragic lives. Well, I'm saying maybe at the end of the movie. I guess I don't know. I feel anyway. The the point being, we experienced this movie with Michelle, who is Jewish and didn't grow up in Christian circles. And it was incredible to watch her watch this movie and the, the lessons that Lizzie and I kind of just know like it's it's the same way when i watched the trailer i knew it was a christian movie like you speak the language there's a vernacular there are rules in place that we are familiar with even if you aren't familiar with the exact text or context and it was really i mean it was very funny to watch michelle grapple with these rules being like wait what is this what is this and and just having to keep nodding and being like yeah this this is happening these are the rules because the movie is so heavy-handed it doesn't really leave anything to the imagination it doesn't let you as the viewer think like hmm okay so i guess what you could extrapolate is that like this type of fate will come if you go down this path it's like Mm -hmm. hits you over the head with a frying pan of like the moral (laughs) lessons and so is good yeah who who is is good who is bad what sins are redeemable which ones are not and where does like blame fall and anyway so michelle our sweet friend who was unmired (laughs) by the cultural teachings that we experienced as kids was like really shocked with a lot of this stuff. And Grace and I were like, 
thinking it was pretty funny, but we weren't shocked because this type of stuff was taught to us. So Grace had the idea. Let's talk about when we each came up with our own little list, which we haven't shared with each other yet, of what are some unspoken rules or like unspoken cultural expectations, norms, whatever, Mm -hmm. of growing up Christian. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure... Dear listener at home, if you also grew up Christian, you probably have your own list. Or we'd love to hear if you want to message me or email us at underourroofpod at gmail.com what other things you would add. But should we get started? Let's get started on our lists. How about I go first? I wrote one of the lists for me is it is a uh, unspoken that cozy business casual is what you wear to church and church functions. Cozy business casual. That's really interesting. So it's not at least where, where I grew yeah, up. It's I w- not f- like full on suits and stuff, but definitely, you know, slacks, button up shirts, maybe no tie. But I would say this is definitely a difference between the way we grew up. Interesting. My church was way more formal than that. Oh, definitely ties, would you say? Yeah. Men would wear ties and jackets for sure. I wouldn't know. I don't know if I would call it like business formal because a lot of the time the women would wear more like colorful dresses, like a Lily Pulitzer dress, as long as your shoulders were covered, would certainly be appropriate for church. I don't know that it'd be appropriate for the office, Mm. depending on the office. Yeah. No, that that is interesting. I think that's definitely more of a southern like north yeah. carolina thing because mm-hmm. if someone wore a lily pulitzer dress to the church where i grew up it would have been like did you know something about the service we didn't know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like is something happening yeah that's interesting it was um people i think over the years people have gotten more casual but yeah people dress up quite a bit i would say for church when i grew up yeah what's cool ah! I don't think the word that I was looking for was cool. As soon as I said it, I was like, I don't think it's cool. I actually think it's corny. Well, because so many, I would say like millennials and and Gen Z and Gen X, we really tired of that sense of formality with church. That one way that churches with still very regressive and exclusionary teachings have rebranded without actually engaging with the text in a critical way and with scripture in a critical way to be more inclusive is they're like, oh, we'll just relax the dress code. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> we'll just relax the dress code. Well, they'll think we'll, we're cool if our pastor wears ripped jeans. Well, even in my church, which was pretty old school and pretty formal, of course, we had a contemporary service because every good large church had a contemporary service. I don't know if I I think I've talked about this a bit. The church I grew up in, like, I didn't think it was a mega church, but it kind of is not in the sense of like, it's in a stadium the way some like mega mega churches are, but it has like several thousand members. So I would consider that it feels big. Yeah, it's big. The sanctuary is kind of an old school traditional sanctuary with like a pipe organ and stained glass, but it's huge. Like it can seat hundreds. Mm -hmm. So, and they have like seven services now, I think on Sundays, which is wild. But back when I was growing up, I think they had three. They had the early service at 830, the main service at 11 o'clock. And then they had um, the contemporary service that started at like 1115 in the fellowship hall. Mm. And that was like the cool service. I never went to it because we were never like cool enough to go. But it was called The Gathering. 
that's that's the <laughs> of other, another way that and, they do it is by yes, rebranding. And it was it was like contemporary music and together. you could, and you could wear and I thought that was like cutting edge and cool and like all the cool families I felt like would like start going to the gathering, but my family still went to the contemporary. I mean, to the traditional service. Looking back, I feel like the contemporary thing was like kind of a lot. Like I had I went to it a couple times, and it was sort of like you know, hands in the air, kind of like that type of service. And so I don't know if I actually would have been into that. But regardless, I thought it was like cutting edge. Now, little did I know, every church had a service where people wore jeans and it was called The Gathering and it like started The Gathering, the well, the circle. Yeah, like stuff like that. So anyway. The village. (laughs) The The villages in Florida. (laughs) Yeah. All right, hit me with one. Okay, so one that I came up with that I'd never thought about this directly, but it just kind of like came to me when I was sitting down to write these was that needing prayer requests is like kind of a form of social currency. Whereas keeping something to yourself in private that then becomes public is like a form of like blood in the water. Whoa. So I Whoa. Yeah. That's a very good observation. I, okay, go on. Yeah. So I remember like the family that needed prayer requests, everyone was obsessed with them. They'd be like, did you hear about like the fountains? They really need prayers right now because their daughter got hit, uh, got like T-boned in her car and everyone's going to the hospital. Like the room's filled with flowers. We need to go drop off more flowers. We need to bring food. We need to start a meal train. Like, and it would just be like, they would be like celebrities when they came back into church because everyone had been praying for them. Their names had been like in the bulletin, mm. you know? And then on the contrary, if someone, like there was one family where like their son went to rehab from our church and like people didn't really talk about it and then once it like got out and was known it was like the source of such gossip like nobody was like we should really pray or if they were it was kind of an afterthought like they'd gossip and talk shit for like 30 minutes and then be like well i guess we'll be keeping him in our prayers right well that's almost a way of absolving them from gossiping is yeah, if you well, say it wasn't no we're not gossiping we're discussing the prayer that yeah we're gonna be saying. right right, right. <laughs> we gotta and make I, sure that everyone knows all the information so that their prayers are thorough and i think that kind of what it stems from is like once you're in this church community people feel like they have a right to know everything that's going on in your life and so by publicizing your pain and what you're going through and what you need prayer requests for you are rewarded mm-hmm. and by anything that you keep close to the chest and that's like a private matter you will be like shunned for either because you're not opening up and because you're not publicizing your pain or if it later becomes known like you'll almost be penalized for not opening up to begin with because like well we're, we're all family like we all need to share our pain and like we all need to share everything and if you were like at the top of everyone's prayer request list mm-hmm. then i mean sometimes it'd be for a bad reason but if it was something that's like not anything you did wrong which gets back to the redeeming love of it all because that movie is very much like the main character angel they take great lengths to explain why yes she's like filled with sin because she was working in a brothel but like it wasn't her fault because she was sold into the industry as a child like Mm -hmm. they had to add that because otherwise she would have had chosen to do something bad yeah and it drives me crazy when you watch the movie because she refers all the time to like how bad of a person she is and i just hate that it's framed that like i Mm -hmm. she always she's like how could anyone love me like everything i've done like you run away like blah 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 and it's never challenged Right. Like it's never, it's never, ch- it, what, what's challenged or the way that they do it is they have like the lead guy who's the stand in for Jesus, like the, the Jesus surrogate will just be like, 
I just, I love you for who you are rather than being like, you haven't done, you're not sinning. Right. And you're like, not, what are you? Yeah. He should have been like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, I, I know we live out in the middle of fucking nowhere, but like, we need to get a therapist to make a house call because you, you haven't done have done nothing wrong. wrong. You are a trauma survivor. Like, yeah. But like, instead he's just like, well, I made a vow to my wife. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, yeah, he, he like, he'll like nod and be like, yeah, it's good that you know that you did some things that were fucked up. Um, but I still love you, though. Isn't that really good of me? Isn't that really nice of me? It's like, no, you're fucking manipulative. That is a very interesting observation. observation. That is definitely an unspoken rule. And I like the way that you framed it, like blood in the water versus social, social currency. currency. Yeah. And that kind of leads me into something that I was thinking about with the movie is like who gets forgiven and what sins are forgivable. Yeah. And... I would say also acceptable to be discussed and to be acknowledged and what is like hush hush and what is inappropriate. And what is so interesting about that is that gossiping when all those passages where it's like, these are the things that are bad, right? Usually in there, one of them is gossip. Like Jesus references murder. This is something I remember from Sunday school. I can't remember the exact passage, but it's like Jesus says, like, these are some bad sins. (laughs) And one of and in the same sentence, he says murder and gossip. Mm -hmm. Like he's like just rattling off a bunch of stuff. But we never think of church gossip as something that is sinful. It's just kind of it just comes with the territory. Like have I have never heard of a church community that is like no gossip here doesn't happen. People just mind their business. Well, it's what you said before with respect to what I just said, which is it gets reframed as like, well, we're just figuring out what we need to pray for the person for. So right. it's absolved. Right. But that's what I think that's what I was thinking about with the movie is like who in the care there are certain characters who mm-hmm. are like, this person is bad to the bone, baby. Like they're just rotten to the core. There's nothing good or redeemable about redeeming love who? Not for <laughs> those evil sinners. But then there are other characters w- that I think are not good characters that they're like, but he said sorry. And it's, right. And I'm kind of like, if <laughs> if the movie, which is called Redeeming Love, was really about truly redeeming love and how, like, the love of God can redeem any, anyone. anyone and anything, then why wouldn't they have taken the villain of the movie and turned him around instead of taking the innocent person who was, again, sold into sexual slavery and made her like redeemed when she never needed right. to be because she didn't do anything wrong. Right. Like in but but what they should have done is taken the person who did that to her and showed that that person can be redeemed if their message is really to say that God's love can redeem anyone in anything by saying, "Oh, the girl who through no fault of her own was put in this horrible situation can be redeemed." That's not that powerful. Mm-mm. Redeeming the man who did that and showing that like he is also worthy of forgiveness. Now some people don't think that he is, and that's fine. I'm just saying if the movie's message is to say that God can redeem anything, then they should have Anyone and everyone. Then the goal should have been, okay, redeem the guy who sold her into yes. slavery. Well, then if the movie is about redeeming anyone and every anyone and everyone and anything and everything all is redeemed in the eyes of God. Yeah. Why are there so many like just straight up villains, like cartoon level evil villains? Like, and I say cartoon, no, listener at home, beware. I almost, I don't recommend this movie. This movie is awful. It is deeply disturbing. It's really disturbing. disturbing. Yeah. And when I say that these characters are cartoonishly evil, 
the cartoonishly evil in like not safe for work type shit like very they do evil awful things you typically off camera well that's the thing so it's still a christian movie it is rated pg-13 which is pretty shock pretty wild that they had a pg-13 but it's there's no actual nudity there's no actual blood or gore they just and that isn't that so sort of christian though too that's another one of those unspoken rules they will reference awful evil acts with this level of casual like it's there's sort of the scene in mean girls where it's like you will get pregnant and die don't have sex because you will get pregnant and die don't have sex in the missionary position don't have sex standing up just don't do it promise okay everybody take some rubbers at your age, you're going to be having a lot of urges. You're going to want to take off your clothes and touch each other. But if you do touch each other, you will get chlamydia and die. It's that level of like, we're going to start at a 10 and we're going to mm-hmm. bring it to a 100 within the first five minutes of the movie with regards to the pain and anguish that these characters mm-hmm. are going to go through and the level of torment that people are going to put them through. And we're just never going to let up so that it becomes cartoonish. Yeah. Because each new thing is cartoonish. But yeah, again, if it was about redeemable or forgiveness, they really aren't trying to explore that in a way that is intellectually stimulating. They're trying to, it does feel like an after school special in that way, because they're not going to show anything. They're just going to tell you, this is bad, this is evil. And that made me think of, there are certain things and certain types of people, specifically, overwhelmingly for me, it's been like white men in power, straight white guys in power that have had the most sort of leeway for like, here's my forgiveness arc. And then it has been other people who have had to in marginalized groups that are the ones like leaving the church because they cannot find their footing again. Yeah. Because you're not my friend. And I think you fucking know what you're embarrassed and showing. Yeah, you talk your shit in private. I go public. You don't like it. God is amazing. And your church is crazy. Fuck off to your worldview and scary bad values. Okay, so my next one relates to purity culture, which we, those of us who grew up in Christianity know that pure, well, in certain forms of Christianity, I should say, know that purity culture, like wait till marriage, you need to have like a pure heart and blah, 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 are all mainstays. But I think a piece that is the unspoken half of it is that despite that, you should still desperately want to get married and have sex. And like, you should almost be focused on that so that it's more of a martyrdom that you're giving it up. Like if there's girls who are just like introverted, bookish girls, not that those girls can't want to get freaky but you know what i mean oftentimes they do. oftentimes they do no but there's let's just say you know someone who's a late bloomer shall we say and wow. is really in high school not interested in anybody or maybe they're asexual but for the purposes of this um illustration let's say they're interested in somebody but in high school they just haven't really blossomed in that way they're just not thinking about that they're training their horse on the weekends or something you know doing their own thing that person would not be given the same kind of praise as like, wow, what a godly girl you are waiting for your husband and not doing anything. Like instead, it's the girls that are 
boy crazy, but are like, me and Chad, we are saving ourselves for mm. marriage that are given like their flowers for waiting. And it's almost like you have, you shouldn't just be not even thinking about sex. You should be suffering while you're not doing it. And if you can suffer publicly, whatever that means, like within your church community mm-hmm. or whether through posting on social media, that is a form of evangelism. Yeah, totally. And I think that that is why it's rewarded mm-hmm. because it's seen as like you're proselytizing to the masses by saying that like you are believing this interpretation of scripture so much and this is how much it means to you that you want other people to be living mm-hmm. in this lifestyle. To that end, I always thought it was very funny growing up because when I remember getting kind of the purity culture lecture thinking before I knew I was gay. I mean, I kind of knew my whole life, but like when I just didn't, I hadn't like fully put the pieces together for me. It was like kind of a puzzle piece in my Mm -hmm. early teens. And when I was still putting that puzzle piece together, I remember getting the lecture and being like, man, I am doing awesome. I'm not tempted. (laughs) I'm like, this is going great for me. Like, when does Mm -hmm. it get hard? Mm -hmm. Uh, Then I saw Nicole Kidman in Moulin Rouge. And I was like, I understand. It's very difficult now, actually. (laughs) It is. I understand the struggle. A little bit on purity culture for my next one as well. I think that what I noticed is this unspoken thing of like God first, compatibility second when it comes to uh, heterosexual marital pairings. And when I say God, I mean faith community and the optics of the relationship over if you are compatible and the dating life. And genuinely attracted. Yeah. Like I, I think that that was another thing that I noticed from the movie as well that kind of harkened back to past things, which is like, this guy doesn't know the personality of the girl at no. all in the movie, but because he, th- let's be honest, thinks she's hot, and so he's like, God told me to marry her, that becomes his driving force to marry this person, not to actually get to know her as a per. Like, that is almost secondary to the God you know, put you in this lighting of the stained glass window on Sunday and I happened to see you when I was coming in with my family and now I think you're my wife and the rest of it we'll figure out later. Yeah, it's crazy to me when people are like, God told me that I have to marry this person. I don't know. I mean, maybe I shouldn't say crazy because maybe you meet someone and you just have a really good feeling and you feel like, okay, maybe it was divinely inspired that we met. Sure. That's fine. But when people tell someone, tell someone, I yes. think that is like incredibly coercive because especially in a faith community like that, which so in Redeeming Love, he sees the main guy, Michael Hosea, sees... <laughs> you can't say his name. His name is so silly to me. Yeah. Apologies if you're listening and your name is Michael Hosea. <laughs> wow. Anyway, he sees Angel on her daily walk from the brothel. And he... Um, While he's unloading his dirt, because he's a dirt farmer. <laughs> he farms dirt. Anyway, it's really something. But he sees her and he literally has never spoken to her. Doesn't even know what her voice sounds like. She could have a horrible voice. You know, doesn't know anything about her. She could have B.O. because he's so far away from her that he has no way of knowing. All he knows is that she's hot. And he's like, from God. the distance. And he like says under her breath, he says under his breath, like, God has a funny sense of humor. Like, I'm going to marry her. Yeah. And God told me to. And I think when people in a church community say things like that, like, I think God is like putting us together. It's so coercive because maybe the person has a faith, but they feel like weaker in their faith. And they're like, well, like, I guess maybe God did say something to Michael Hosea. And like, 
I, I haven't heard anything directly from God, so right. maybe I should listen to him. I think, yeah, I think it's manipulative. Yeah. And I think that it's another way that specifically I think I've noticed like Christian men sort of try to shed any personal responsibility. And I don't know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I think I think it is a way of shedding personal responsibility because then if the woman rejects you, then she's going against God. And then he can kind of be like, well, I guess she's just not on the path. Like she's just not interested in what God has for her. Right. Instead of being like, oh, maybe I am not her type or maybe I am weird. Well, yeah, it's it's going in with this like, oh, are you going to reject God? Yeah. There's this unspoken thing of like, are you actually compatible with someone? Or is this like, are you the two most popular kids in youth group? And it makes sense within the context of this faith community that you would be with each other. Yeah, totally. Okay. I only have one more. I think you maybe I have, have one more. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. So my last one is just the unspoken message that being sad or like having a hard time is not a good testimony for God. And I feel like something that, at least in my church, we were really drilled into about was basically you need to be happy and having a great life because then even if you don't go out and physically say to people, hey, you should come to church, hey, you should believe in Jesus, just by how great your life is and how wonderful you are and how happy you are, people will want to know, like, what are you drinking, you know, and what, mm. how can I get some? And we were told, you know, go to school. Like, I remember in youth group, the leaders telling us that we should go to school, which I went to a public school, and say to people, like, do you go to church? And, like, you should come to our church. I never did that because I was – at the time, I thought – oh, I'm embarrassed, like, I'm too shy, I don't want to do that, because I was really shy growing up. But now looking back, I'm obviously so glad that I didn't do that, because that's incredibly inappropriate. People may have other faiths or not have any faith or go to church their own place. Like, they don't need to come to my church. Anyway, it's just so beyond inappropriate, and it's so bad to tell kids to do that kind of stuff. Like, I can't believe that adults told me to go to school and try to like convert other kids. Like that is so weird. I had that happen to me. People try to convert you. Yeah. That's hilarious. Because my church was too quote unquote like lenient, which yeah. it was all right. things considered. And I'm very fortunate in that, mm-hmm. but it's still what at the, for what we know now, like and how mm-hmm. I've, things have evolved and changed. It wasn't that like loosey goosey, but people would be like, I really think that you need to know the Lord. <laughs> wow. That's a lot. Anyway, all that to say, when I was a kid, I kind of refused, I silently refused to do the whole proselytizing thing because I was embarrassed. But what I told myself to not feel guilty and like I was going against God was, well, it's okay because I'll just try to be really good and really nice and then people will notice and then they'll realize that I'm Christian and then they'll kind of like get the same message without me having to like go out on a limb and invite people to church because I'm too embarrassed to do Mm -hmm. that. And so I feel like that was the subconscious message was like, even if you can't evangelize, like in expressly evangelize, then at least be happy and have a good life because then that's your own form of evangelism. And so the unspoken part is being sad or like, honestly, not having nice clothes, having the appearance of like, not having good things in life. I don't know, like not being rich. All of these things are not a good testimony. Basically, like you're not doing your best to 
show why being Christian is so great if there's like anything bad about you. And definitely there's a discomfort and an awkwardness with sadness, lament, confusion. It's a feeling to get through as quickly as possible and Mm -hmm. as privately as possible. Any sort of grief. Yeah, it's weird because you hear so much about seasons, but there is really this discomfort when people are actually in one. Yeah, I know if you're like in a season. Well, and if you're in a season of hardship, then you better be at the top of the prayer list and tell everyone your business. Uh, Yeah, Going back to point number one. Okay, my last one kind of also deals with purity culture. And it was what I was thinking about with Christian girl femininity of of what that means. I, I, I kind of forget because I have... Maybe I'm not the standard anymore. <laughs> I don't. Um, but because it never suited me, but yeah. I but I was reminded of like this standard that I really did try to make work for me, but it is unattainable. And it is Christian femininity is quiet, but it is hot, but it is modest about it. Totally. Oh my gosh, yes. You hit all the points. So like you can't be it was one of those things where like you can't really be the funny person. Mm-hmm. Because that's a boy's role. Like, boys were more of the class clown. Like, that was their, like, talent show thing. Like, that was their role in the youth group. And they could be gregarious and silly and Mm -hmm. maybe a little bit cheeky or something. Not in a way that girls could be. Like, you could make pokey. Like, guys were way, way more allowed to make kind of sexual innuendos in youth group, even though we weren't really supposed to be making jokes like that in the first place. Guys could get away with it that if I made a similar joke, I would get, like, reprimanded right away if I made, Mm. like, a kind of a crude like, sex joke, which, what, you're teenagers, you're all making sex jokes, and none of them, I don't really think I have an especially crude sense of humor, but if I ever kind of, like, towed that line into what the boys were able to get away with, it was like, Grace, absolutely not, like, Mm -hmm. you need to cut that out, so you have to be kind of quiet, and then hot, like, conventionally, you know, this the white Eurocentric beauty standards absolutely apply, but you can't be you can't know it <laughs> or like you you can you can know it like you have to be stylish but modest totally the modesty piece of it hot, is what like hot, yeah. keeps you from like teetering over the edge into like slutdom because then it's like yeah because then it's like well she she can't help that she's hot right she what can't she's supposed help to do, put a bag over her yeah head? what's she supposed to do she's just hot but, but you can't flaunt it you can't flaunt it like she knows it look at how style like she is on trend yeah but Thank God she's wearing a cardigan. Like, (laughs) so those were, those are our, within our own Christian upbringings, unspoken rules of Christendom. Yeah. But we'd be curious to know yours or if any of these resonated or were totally different for you. Maybe you grew up in a really different Christian environment, or maybe you grew up in a different faith that had totally different rules. And whatever you do, please don't watch Redeeming Love based on my recommendation. Do it because you are morbidly curious and you have a good, safe friend that you can get high or drunk with or just be silly with. And you can kind of, you know, view it in a safe place. We are not joking. This movie is awful. Yeah. Take care of yourself while, take watching, care of yourself. while watching this movie. But I will say, if you are like me and you read Redeeming Love, the book back who however long ago, because it's been out for like 30 years, um, and you are curious about the movie adaptation that took place 30 years after it was published, which that alone is actually kind of cool that like a book was made and then 30 years later they made a movie about it. 
But and it's it's a hugely popular book. And I would say from what I remember, it was a well written and enjoyable book. Anyway, I think it could be worth the watch if you're just curious if you read the book and you want to see. Um, but it's not like a particularly great movie from a movie making perspective. But I actually liked some of the actors. I the, liked the actor who played Angel, the main girl was just gonna say that I completely agree with you. She did a lot with what is I think a very poorly written movie. I haven't read the book. To be honest, it's hard for me to believe that it's well written if the plot is the same. Well, I feel like the style of plot, which is very rambling and like a lot of twists and turns, but there isn't like one big twist. It's just like a bunch of like bad things that sort of happen interspersed works better in a book than in a movie. Yeah, I would say a series of unfortunate events at the Frontier Brothel is yeah, like what that you, should be the name of the movie. I would call it at yeah. the Western Frontier Brothel. Well, yeah. thank you so much for listening in. We love spending time with you, and we are excited to bring you a lively season three. Who knows what awaits? I know. Who thank you so much knows. for listening. We're on season three. We have over a hundred episodes. It's I so know. Cool. It's so wonderful to be here, and we'll see you next week for a brand new season three, brand new year episode of Under Our Roof. I love you, my dear, in a sweet old-fashioned way. My love for you. Is constant and new, no matter the change or the.